Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today, there will be a vampire battle. And we'll chat about Sneaky Pete. We also talk about your online privacy and go another round of trivia. It's time for a nerd battle. The Transfiguration comes to theaters this Friday. Now, you may not have heard that much about this movie, but it looks awesome and kind of reminds me of Let the Right One In. Which is actually one of those movies that Yvonne and I actually agree on. We both love it. Yeah, Let the Right One In is fantastic. So I'm definitely checking out The Transfiguration. Pending reviews. Pending reviews. I will be waiting on those reviews. I'm all about going with your gut. If a movie looks good, you should see it. So I had that work with uh, Fist Fight. You know what? It was awful, but I'm glad I watched it because I was in the mood for a mindless comedy. And I'm all about voting with your dollar, folks. If a movie is too low on their Untomato scale, I can't in conscious give it money because what if that money goes to making another shitty sequel? I don't want to do that. Sorry, Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman. I watched, I did rent you. You got a little bit of my money, but it didn't play into your big the hopes movie of theaters. sequels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so this new movie, The Transfiguration, it is about vampires. And I think it's going to be bringing out a new vampire or a new type of vampire, or maybe going a little bit more into the type of vampire that's more like let the right one in. And this got me thinking about vampire archetypes. There are a whole ton of these guys, including like the classic Dracula, the Twilight romance vampire that's all emo and whatnot, the sire, the guy that like creates a family of vampires because he hates watching people die. You got the creepy ass monster vampire like Nosferatu. Totally. He's like a zombie vampire yeah he's thing. like a zombie vampire but there are other types and we wanted to have ourselves a little nerd battle over which one is king i think it's the vegetarian vampire this is also fits into the moody category it can it can it's the vampire who he doesn't want to kill no humans he's gonna go buy his pig's blood from a butcher and just kind of be a recluse or drink synthetic blood or whatever uh, I go for more of the stunted child vampire because I think that's the most interesting one. And we're now noticing like my favorite vampire movies, I think, feature this. The child vampire is probably the creepiest vampire. Totally. The child vampire is super creepy because it's the concept that you have this child on the outside, but a super old human being on the inside. And less inhibitions, right? If they want to kill you, they have less control, self-control to say, no, I'm not going to kill you. And my vampire is all about self-control. Yeah, think, your vampire is Angel. all about self-control. Think Angel, my favorite Buffy vampire is Angel over Spike. And it, I mean, to each their own, even Spike at the end. Even Spike becomes, becomes a vampire, that, that, like seeking, vegetarian. That seeking redemption vampire. Totally. You know, and I, I really like... Uh, knowing that these guys have made this choice, especially because you got eternal life. So at some point, something happened in your backstory to make you this way. And most of the time, that was a bloody, bloody saga that you're trying to redeem yourself from now. And I find those... So you be, like the conscience. Yeah, I like those a little bit more. Like the child for me is creepy 
they have a place here. Like they're like the anointed one was cool and Buffy, but you know, when you get a, a, a vampire who doesn't kill people and wants to redeem, that's when you get like a hero, a real hero vampire. I think that's exactly, I think that's what we're fighting here is because what I like about the child vampire is that they are never the hero. In a lot of ways, they always end up being the bad guy um, because they tend to represent this like id inside of you that takes over. They're super creepy. I mean, even in Let the Right One In, you know, Ellie is terrifying at the end. And that concept, the way that the movie sort of sets it up when you hear her knock at the very end of the movie and the little boy is there and they're traveling together. And I just envisioned that he's going to become old and then she'll eat him. Like no matter what, she will. She is terrifying always. Even in the case of a romance where like the vegetarian vampire, he's a hero. He's not that scary. He's not a monster. Well, that's the, that's the cool part about the vegetarian vampire. They can flip. There are moments where they can't control themselves. Think about Blade. At the end of Blade, they pump him full of blood and he goes like Wolverine ballistic on people. Now, he keeps it in check and only goes on vampires, but there are parts where Angel has to feed, feeds on Buffy and almost goes too far and kills Buffy. Yeah. You know, there are moments of real danger with even these these recluse I guess uh, it's more of an in, inner battle. I guess they both have inner, I like battle the inner areas. Battles. Yeah, I also they like both the, inner battles. Mine, I feel a little bit more can fit into society a little bit better. They want to be a part of the world, whereas the kid vampire, they usually are still pretty vicious and they want to kill. Like you think about Kirsten Dunst's performance in an interview with a vampire. Oh, totally. She is so creepy. Super creepy. And I think, though, that's the beauty of it. That's the concept is that they represent that duality in some ways of like being trapped underneath this mask because you have this vicious thing that's trapped in this sweet little face of a child. I mean, there's nothing more terrifying than that. But you also see them with all the other vampires. The vegetarian vampire gets an arc of being some of the only people who can stand against the bad vampires. And it's usually to the detriment because you find out in a lot of these things, actually, I'm going to bring up Twilight. My God, I didn't even know this. Twilight, they only feed off of animal blood and it makes them weaker than the bad vampires. So they're at a disadvantage going up against all these other vampires because they aren't as strong, but they still know like we're drawing a line here. And I just think that's interesting. It is interesting, but I don't know. There's something once I started thinking about this concept of like the stunted child vampire, I realized that it's kind of a metaphor to like the feminist experience of living in a patriarchal society in the sense of like a lot of especially if you look at the past a lot of things with women we tend to infantilize women um make them not as strong or not as taken seriously as the men in our society and i realize that this child vampire especially like kirsten dunst in the interview with the vampire is a metaphor for that, right? Like she is old. She does want the things that she wants inside of her, but nobody can give it to her because she's a child and it's gross, right? Like, okay. That's interesting because I don't, I can't think of very many child vampires who are boys. They usually pick 
women. They do usually pick women. That is actually or very young girls, true. I yeah. Say. Yeah, young girls. Even in what we do in the shadows, this mockumentary, this comedy, the two children vampires were both girls and they they preyed on pedophiles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they often use the young girl. And I guess you're kind of right in that way that, you know, it's about a feminist experience. There's people see them as the, you know, the victim and they go to help and then ah, like, yeah, there is more power there than you expect. Exactly. And I don't think that the people who created this char- these characters like set out to create a metaphor for what it is to be a feminist or whatever. But I think it's kind of in there. Like, I think. The women who in the past, you know, like marched and burned their bra- bras and all that stuff, they that act is like when the child vampire attacks. But most of the time they're seen as kind of like this other thing, this more gentle thing. But when you look at the life of a child vampire, that's got to be a pretty mundane existence because they have to go like going back to Twilight again. They have to go through the same rigmarole their whole life. Over we and are over. now going to be in school, enrolled in school, enrolled in school, enrolled in school, because that's what society expects expects of those children. Whereas, a, you know, a man of 28, he can live in the world anywhere in the world. Totally. Do whatever the hell he wants to do. And the younger they are, the more and he may be the outcast, like but stuck they are. They're stuck. While the vegetarian vampire may always be. Uh, you know, an outcast and never really fit in. I don't know about At an outcast. Can, I think they're a loner. I think a it's loner. a different... Loner's a better way to say yeah. it. They can ultimately have more exciting stories where a 10-year-old girl, you, you might not even be able to leave the house like by yourself. That's the problem. Where people look at Especially it like at it's night, a weird right? norm. Like if you can only go out at night and yeah, you're a 10 or 12 year old girls, you are, you need an adult supervisor. So I think there's more stories to be had with the vegetarian vampire. And, See, I they, don't know they about that. They're the starting to make so many interesting movies, especially with these children vampires. And they're cool because they're stories we haven't seen before. I mean, the stories of the, you know, like the vegetarian vampire, they tend to be pretty like, you know what it's going to be. So what do you think out there? Which of these ones do you think is better? The child vampire or the vegetarian vampire? I would love to know. I love your house. I love recording here. Thanks. Yeah, it's like so nice and airy and open and so far away from my house. Well, you're east, I'm west. I know, but I, you know, I, I don't have the car right now. So, yeah, your I car made an died. Effort. What happened? Well, it hasn't been able to turn on for like four months. Jeez. So, what happened? Did it explode? Like, how did, like, <laughs> no, no, how no, no. Does it your literally car die? is just sitting in the parking lot. We went to turn it on one day, it didn't go on. The mechanic wanted too much money. So we've just been like borrowing cars from people or everything else. But you know, like, what are you, you going to really do? Need like a car in the city? Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, what are you going to do? Are you going to get a car? I mean, Blake and I have one car, which I think is, you know, I like it so that we can like go grocery shopping or you know that kind of stuff where you want to put stuff into it. The penultimate is having a car to go and do errands. Yes, having to walk twenty minutes load up on groceries and walk 20 minutes back you're likely just going to uber anyways back because nobody wants to there's deal a with lot that of nonsense. stuff to carry yeah yeah um i i think we're gonna get a car though because we work so close together 
that we can drive in in the morning and drive home. And we actually save about 45 minutes to an hour every day. That's true. Just by doing that. We want to get a car. If we have a car, we're going to use it a lot. I, th- I think that's not really a problem, is no, it? Like Once you have so. the car, each use in and of itself costs less and less if, if you like use it a lot. Here's the thing. We didn't expect to use the car as much as we use the car. Mm. So I think when people in a city decide to get a car, you don't realize how much you're going to use. Right. You say, well, you know, I'm just going to get it for emergencies and I'll take the... You're not. You're going to use the crap out of that car. See, I I mean, I do use the car. I drive to work because it's like not always close to subway and stuff. But like, I find that in general, I, if I can... If I'm going somewhere that's on the subway line, I always prefer to take the subway. I love the subway. Now, why is that? What are you doing on that commute that makes it more enjoyable? Well, I just hate driving. So, like, if I can take the subway and it's a reasonable amount of time to get there, I'm doing that. I like adventuring on my own on foot with a backpack. Like, I actually enjoy those adventures, especially when I'm going somewhere new. Like, tonight, I'm supposed to have a board game night somewhere. I don't know where, but I'm excited. You know, like... (laughs) All I have is an address and I got to figure out how I'm going to get there. And that to me is exciting where if you plot it into the nav on a, on a car, it's, it's less an adventure than walking and subwaying and busing and all the other ways to get there. But it does take longer. It does take longer. This just in last week. So this segment we actually haven't done before. This is a segment where we talk about a news story or some news stories that happened last week that you kind of need to know about. Right. So last week, Congress made big history and it's not getting enough attention. They voted to allow internet providers to sell your information without your permission. That's correct. Now, this is only in America and we are not talking about this law in relation to other countries, although we will bring Canada into it a little bit because, well, we're in Canada. Yeah, we are. That is true. Yeah. So what do we need to know? What's at risk? Your browsing history is a big one. And even the incognitos, even the incognitos. Now, that's not necessarily 100% not saying I'm always incognitoing. (laughs) I'm just saying sometimes that happens. Right. Like the things in incognito, when we go into that mode in our browsers, we assume that none of that is being tracked or, or anything. That's the point of that function. But this means that companies can put super cookies into your devices that can follow you even when you're in incognito mode. Before you're like, well, browsing history, what's the big deal? Uh, In the States, it's a huge deal because, for example, let's say you're worried you have diabetes and you start searching it. And then your ISP sells your browsing history to your, you know, health insurance company. Suddenly, oh, they might think you're lying if you write, I don't have diabetes on a form. Oh, that is interesting. And then now you're paying more for your health care. More premium. So even with like just something as simple as browsing history, where I feel like, you know, if you're in incognito mode and watching some sexy videos, I don't think that really is going to be a huge deal. Although, what happens if you're a preacher and somebody hacks your computer and now they're asking you for money or they're going to display what you like to watch? Do you think that hackers would pay for this information? Like... Can anybody buy this information? 
I, I mean, I think once it's on the market, anyone can buy it. It's probably too expensive. And I don't think that hackers would pay for it. But I do think that hackers would totally hack let's say advertising company like computers that have all this data in it that's shocking and i don't know if this is true or not but i heard a rumor that it's possible for people to get your social security number from this well that is problematic yeah because now you're talking identity that like screws your life screws your life yeah wow okay definitely your credit score because what was congress thinking uh trump's in power yeah, I guess so. They're thinking big companies have a hard break today. Let's make it easier on them and harder on the real person. This is my whole problem with this run a country like a business bullshit. That is a dictatorship. The CEO of a big company says something and you have to do it. That's not how you run a country. You run a country to serve the people. Yeah, exactly. Would they just use VPNs to hide their ip address or well the vpn would hide your browsing history from your isp in this scenario so that's one way that you would do it what you cannot hide so how do you there are some ethical companies that will go out so how do you trust your like you have to if you're in the states really trust your provider trust your provider and if if you don't trust your provider well, you're going to have to move off those big guys if you don't want that information. Yeah, like they're going to sell your information. I think you'll see a lot of small guys who promise not to become big guys. We'll see, I guess. Yeah. If nobody knows about this, maybe that won't happen. I would hope that people are talking about it. Not here, but there. Agreed. Welcome in. It's time for Him Possible and Her Possible Trivia. Let's meet our contestants. It's time for some trivia. Oh, yeah. So last week was the first time that you beat me in trivia. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. A beautiful moment. And we're going to do it again this week because I want to right those wrongs. Although I didn't make it too hard. I think you're going to get a bunch of these. I think you're going to get almost all of mine. Oh, you went super easy. Yeah. You know, I felt bad about last week or whenever that was. No. You know, but it's fine. It's going to be good. So. I'm going to give you the option to go first or second. I want to guess first right now. I want to guess first. I want to guess first. All right. And the timer of 45 seconds will start after you read the first question. I will read the first question. You will have 45 seconds to answer as many questions as possible. You are allowed to pass. I will at the end come back around if we still have time and you will be able to answer again. Even if you got them wrong. Love it. Got it? Let's go. All right. I will start the timer. What kind of dog is Lassie? Border Collie. No, it's a Collie. Just a regular Collie. What is the clown's name from It? Pass. Aladdin is upset about being called what? A street urchin, I think. What red colored chips are classically Canadian? Red colored, like potato chips? Yep. Humpty Dumpty? What color are my eyes? Blue. What is the clown's name from it? Periwinkle? Aladdin is upset about being called what? A thief. What red colored chips? Oh my God. Ah. Wow. Okay, so... 
I, I, I think I'm giving you half a point for Aladdin. So, yes, uh, Lassie is a collie. Yes. The clown's name from it is Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Periwinkle is not that bad. Close enough. <laughs> for no points. <laughs> Aladdin is upset about being called what? I was looking for riffraff or street rat. Street urchin is not that. Uh, that's I mean, why I'm urchin, giving you a point is... five. And then you said thief. And I'm like, well, I guess he may be called a thief. They never specifically say that, but that's fine. I'm going to give you a point five. What red colored chips are classically Canadian? Ketchup chips. And oh, you got my eye color I it was right. Brand. No, you got my eye color right. So 2.5. 2.5. I just passed. Yeah, yeah. You got 50%. If it was a test, your parents would be mad, but you would still pass the class. Woohoo. Okay. All right. Your turn. Donald Blake is the secret identity of what superhero? Pass. What is the official national language of India? Uh, Hindu. Guinness originates from what country? Ireland. Which singer released the highest selling album of the 80s? Madonna. Who played Dracula in the 1931 film? Bella Lugosi. Donald Blake is the secret identity of what superhero? Archer? The, which singer released the highest selling album in the 80s? Mariah Carey. Donald Blake. Superhero. Donald Blake. Oh, Donald Blake is the spirit? Ah. Uh, Who is Donald Blake? Thor. That is interesting. I didn't know that either. Donald Blake. But I know that you're like we the Avengers and all this stuff. Sure. And I thought in Thor movies... Donald Blake, apparently. Sounds like I got three at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely, you got the national language of India. You got the Guinness and you got the Dracula. And then what was the last one that I So the singer who released the highest selling album in the 80s was Michael Jackson. Why did I think you said female singer? I never said female. I know. Why? My mind went to woman. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? both times. I guess maybe you consider the word singer associated with women. That is... Super sexist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it's that sexist. It's not like actress or like. That's that's fair, but that's weird that I, my mind went there. So you got three out of five and I got two and a half out of five. So you beat me again. Double weeks. And I even had like, what color are my eyes in there? Like it was my throwaway because I, I was like, ah. Yeah, okay, but like the specific things that people say in movies, we all know that's a weakness of mine. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But I, I but Aladdin, Riff Raff, Street Rat, I don't, you don't remember I think that? the last time I saw Aladdin, I was in high school. If only they'd look closer. I don't know what to say. Would they see a poor boy? <laughs> no siree wow i really wanted to sing that song apparently <laughs> this is top drawer tv last week we asked you to come along on a little television journey with us to watch sneaky pete the pilot it's an amazon uh amazon original, original series that's it i think that's what they call them and it says giovanni rabisi as a confidence man who just gets out of prison, there's something out going on in his head, 
and he needs to go into hiding. So he takes his roommate's old backstory and he kind of runs with it. Roommate. Cellmate. Cellmate. Cellmate right. from prison. Sorry. Not a roommate. When you're, when, you're not allowed any roommates in prison. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a roommate. It's a cellmate. And uh and and yeah, he does. He he tries to pose as this cellmate um who is estranged from his family, and when he shows up, he thought that they were super rich people who dealt in the bond industry. That's right. But really the bail bond industry, they are basically bounty hunters. Exactly. And people who are like expressly on the lookout for con men. That's right. That is like their whole job, yeah, their like whole purpose. They are the people that should never be able to be conned. And here's this con man living among the lions. I got to admit, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I am loving this series. I think it is amazing. I didn't go past the pilot because I didn't want to bring in any more bias like yourself. I'm like almost done the first season. So let's talk about that pilot though. Giovanni Ribisi really brings a lot to the role. Yeah, I love Giovanni Ribisi is one of my favorite actors of all time in general. And I think that he hasn't, you know, been featured enough or given enough meaty roles to put his like spin into that's the word to say meaty roles this is definitely a meaty role for giovanni ribisi most of the time when i think of him i only think of like gone in 60 seconds he's a throwaway character yeah but then you remember like boiler room i can't remember anything about that movie i felt like everybody in that movie was trying really hard to do uh man what is that it's like wolf of wall street no the, the one we watched Glengarry Glenn Ross in a um, in a, in a different way in a you know sales stocks and bonds kind of way. But I also thought all the characters there. It was a great movie, but nobody there was no standout for me. Actually, I, if I was gonna be honest, Vin Diesel in that film is a standout for me in Boiler Room specifically. Um, I think Giovanni Ribisi's you know was honestly his role from friends he did do a really cool part there like he was such an eccentric character that's right and actually on the flip side he was a he was i believe the medic in saving private ryan where he was very reserved and very calm and very uh in the background a little bit yeah i think he has a real cool spin on characters and i think that that's what makes him such a great actor and finally it's like he's got a tv show or some vehicle to actually show how good he is. Totally. And Sneaky Pete is that good. Like, it's a really great show. It's got a great premise. Brian Cranston, he's, uh, he pops in in the, the pilot. Yeah, and he's also the creator of the show, the co-creator. Yeah, and he, he did it with the producer from Breaking Bad, right? He did, yeah. yeah. And I've heard, although I haven't done the research, so I don't know if it's true or not, that Sneaky Pete is actually a, a character mentioned in Breaking Bad. And this could be like a somewhat, not sort quite of a spinoff, but like kind of like it. A little nod. Yeah, a little nod. Because he's definitely not playing Heisenberg. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, no, Pete. Pete is the character that No, is I know. But Cranston isn't playing Heisenberg either. No, he's not. <laughs> he's, you know, it, just from the pilot, he's, he is a mob boss. Yeah, he's uh, he's in a drugs or whatever. It looks like he's got um, a kingpin situation going on. Yeah, but he, he reminds me a lot of kingpin. Actually, yeah. yeah, a lot. He's trying to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. What? 
Yeah, at the, he says he'll give him a week to get the money together. Uh, <laughs> is that the benefit of the doubt? Well, he because he's like, hey, man, listen, I really like you. He I'm doesn't like you, him. He says, I, I like you. I know you're, you love your but brother. But he doesn't like him. He just says that stuff. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen past the pilot. But, All I got from I mean, the pilot. I mean, in the pilot, it's really clear he doesn't like him. I get the impression. Pete ripped him off of $100,000, and now he's getting his revenge by making an impossible situation. Here they, these two guys have been making payments to cover this debt, and Pete gets out of prison. He sends his goons after Pete, probably to kill him, which is why Pete is running away. That's why he's running away. And then instead, he captures Pete's brother, who's been working for him as a dealer in his like illegal casino ring. Right. And he's, and he's going to chop off a finger if every does, week that he's late. Exactly. He says to Pete, you give me back the full 100000 in a week. And Pete's like, well, what, dude, we've been making payments. And the guy's like, well, now those payments, whatever they are, are just interest. Yeah, they cover the VIG. He doesn't like Pete. He says he likes Pete. He's like, actually, he hates Pete. He hates Pete more than anyone because Pete freaking ran a con on him. <sighs> That's why he's telling Pete, you have a week and I'm going to start chopping off your brother's fingers. And he Pete's totally okay with that at the end of that episode. Uh, I don't think that he's okay. Well, he's not okay, but he's like, he's dead to me. It's fine. Walk away. That's what he tells him. Uh, I think it's pretty clear, though, that that's just what he tells him. Sure, but his brother was going to screw him over. His brother was going to get him killed. Yeah, but it's his brother. You can tell he's going to try to get the money to save his brother's life. I am life. really looking forward to obviously keep going in this. You can tell even from the pilot that he's going to try to save his brother's life. Otherwise, there's no show. That's the setup. I thought... At the end of the show, you get the grandmother being very wary of the the fox in the hen house. Right. Telling this to Pete. Yeah, let's let's talk like that side of things. Cause that so the setup of why Pete has to, you know, run this con right now and these bail bondsmen. He's stuck conning them because he has to save his brother. Otherwise he would just leave, right? So he kind of has to find a well, way to Well, he has stuck. to stay hidden because his brother, he went to see what was going on and his brother set him up. He knew his brother set him up from the phone call. Totally did because he was pushing too hard. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he even told, called his brother out on and it he, yeah, and everything. Absolutely. But he loves his brother, so he's going to let the setup happen. But I think that, you know, if I was a con man and I decided to con a family of bail, bail bondsmen. Yep. And I find out they're bail bondsmen, which you're means... You're getting out of there? I, you're getting out of there. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but I think because he's going to save his brother, now he, he can't. He can't leave. There's, you know, who else is he going to con inside of a week to get $100,000? I don't know. I don't know yet. So that's why he's staying with this family. So now let's talk about this family. So it's kind of headed up by a, a matriarch, a grandmother, played by Margot Martindale. Who, if you've ever watched The Americans, pops in in The Americans quite a bit. She was actually nominated and I believe won for her uh, guest appearance on The Americans last season. And you know what? She's been around forever and you have seen her in so many movies and she's great. She's one of those like character actors that you've seen on everything. Yeah, you totally recognize her, but you're not quite sure where you recognize her from. Exactly. And she's great in this. But I'm telling you, it's The Americans. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch the Americans. So we have the matriarch and then we have 
the patriarch, who is a little more quiet, he's definitely not running the show. He had a a, a stroke. Recently. He had a stroke. That's right. Um, and then we have the the cousin, right, who is persnickety and doesn't like want anything to do with Pete because he called her out on stealing. And then there's now who is this person? Can we talk about? I don't about know who she is. Marin Ireland. Is that who you want to talk about? His cousin. His like. Same age cousin? The same age cousin, yeah. Yeah, fuck. There is so much sexual chemistry there. But there there shouldn't be because they're cousins. Right, that's the fun of this show. I cannot wait till they get together. I mean, I think it's going to take a while, season two maybe, but it's going to happen. Do you know stuff? You know more than I know. I don't. Are you giving me, giving away things? No, it's like, it's just their chemistry. She has to find out that they are not related. No way. I think they're going to hook up. As cousins? As cousins. Yeah. And then he's going to have to tell her. But that's the fun of yeah. it, right? Because they're not actually cousins, but she thinks they're cousins. It doesn't... You know what? I This is like complete prediction mode right now. Yeah, but here's the thing. I am adopted. I am not actually cousins with any of my cousins. And I am here going... Argh. Maybe, but like, man, you, I mean, I want them to get together. They are so, there's so much chemistry there. Do you not see it? Do you not agree? I, no, I see it. I've, I'm, but I didn't realize that that is the cousin. I thought it was somebody else. Like I didn't really like. No, no, she's the cousin. She's the grown up cousin. Because I noticed the uh, the chemistry. I was like, maybe it's just a childhood friend who calls him grandma. Nope, they are cousins. Weird. I love it. I love it. That weird. There's something really exciting. I love these weird things. I don't know. There's something really excited about taboo relationships, especially when they're not really taboo, but people think they're taboo. So it's like, it's kind of like clueless. That is taboo. No, because they're not actually. It's your cousin. They're not cousins. Giovanni Rabisi. She thinks he's her cousin. Right. I know that. But they're uh, not cousins. Here's (laughs) also the other. That's the reality. I kind of get, it feels to me a little bit like in terms of genre. Like Castle? No, because Castle is a a procedural and follows that genre hugely. And B has a lot more comedy. No, it reminds me a little bit more of like the first four episodes of Breaking Bad before Breaking Bad turned into a complete drama. When it had this weird, dark comedy element with these gruesome action-oriented things that characters might have to do. I haven't finished Breaking Bad. Have you seen the first four episodes? Yeah, but I, I... I have no memory. Right. Well, like there in the first four episodes, there's a lot of it's like, like, so not my kind of show, but uh, I tried really hard to get through it because it's breaking bad and the world talks about it. I think you have to be in the right frame of mind for breaking bad. I know, but it's just not, like, it's not my kind of show. It's like, you don't like the, things that are heavy. Yeah. I love heavy. Yeah. That's like the kind of heavy I like. This is why I never went to Sopranos. This is why Game of Thrones I don't go back to. Like, these are really, really in-depth, heavy things that, mm-hmm. you know, I just, uh, I like the Shannara Chronicles because it's light and silly. Yeah. And I like uh, Nirvana the Band, the show, because it's ridiculous. I love my my heavy, dark stuff. Be an hour and a half and I don't have to get back into that world. And that's why I love those kind of movies. Yeah, I like a good dark show, but again, I've not ever really seen The Sopranos or, and, you know, Game of Thrones lost me. Maybe Sopranos is one we do on Top Drawer TV one day. I think maybe we should. Because I think our listeners would get a kick out of it because it's, I think, 18 years old now and neither one of us have watched the pilot. I've never seen it. Oh. Mm. 
Well, not next week. No, not next week. Next <laughs> week, uh, we're going to go back to movie land, actually. And we're giving you homework that we really, really want you to watch. Because probably you haven't seen this movie, but really you should. Oh, and we are going to spoil the shit out of it. Yeah. So actually, I would recommend not even listening to that segment when it happens. We just so the film is Paul Verhoeven's L, but this is uh, this is a film where Isabella Hubert, who is the main star, she was nominated for an Oscar this past Oscar season. Um, it I don't even want to really get into it. It is just watch it. It's a film you got to watch. Just watch it and listen to us talk about it. It's a couple. Next week. It's a couple hours and it's subtitled and it's it's a good one to watch. It's worth it. Just. Go through the subtitles. No big deal. We'll talk about our thoughts next week. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. And please tune in again next week. If you'd like to help us support the show, jump into iTunes or any other podcast service and leave us an honest review. It helps us and it lets other people find our show quicker. Our intro music comes from bensound.com. And if you want to know more about our special effect sounds or voice actors who are super talented, please take a look at our show notes. Ivana and I love hearing from you. So here's how to reach out. Our website is morethemovies.net. Find us on Facebook slash morethemoviespodcast. Email us at hello at morethemovies.net. Catch us on Twitter. I'm at it's Ivana. And I'm at Jester J. Thanks again for spending time with us. We'll be back again next Monday with an all new episode. And until next time, friends, do more and watch more. more.